Corinthians 13, 11. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish waves behind me. Father, we thank you in advance for the lives that are being changed and be transformed by the power of your blood. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you even now begin to minister to our heart, soften us, open us up for your word, that you would do a, a long-lasting work in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And amen. How many of you understand that God has a plan for your life? Go ahead, give me with a show of hands. Who, who does God have a plan for your life? God has a plan for your life. And when you think about, I'm going to let you know something. God's plan, even his sovereignty, doesn't, doesn't not have as much impact on your life than you. What am I saying? Although God is a God, he never supersedes you. We're the only creature who can tell God that great and powerful word, no. No animal would dare speak those words or think them. Creation does what it does because it's under strict orders to reproduce after its kind. The demons tremble at the, 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 the name of Jesus. But man is the only man can tell God to go to hell. Isn't that interesting? We do it. How do we do it? We do it all the time. Leave me alone. Don't bother me. Don't bug me. We can curse God. And literally, we can curse God, and God will let you live. Isn't that amazing? That's an amazing thing. All powerful God, we can just tell God, I don't want nothing to do with you. Or we, we may not be so callous. We might just say, not pay attention. Don't talk to me right now. I'm getting ready to sin, so leave me alone. And, and God will just say, we'll just walk away and allow you to live. Good thing we're not God, right? If we were God, we'd be jacking people up, right? Your actions can indeed supersede God's plan for your life. So God does have a plan. It's very clear and, and, and common, if you will, uh, that God has a plan for every single individual. Can we agree to that? Can we also agree that despite all the plans for everybody... Not everybody does God's plan. So, Timothy, 1 Timothy, Paul is writing to his disciple, and he tells Timothy this, I, I give you this charge, I, I commit to you, son, Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. So people have laid their hands on you, Timothy, and they prophesied, and you're going to have to battle. See, sometimes we think that God's giving you a plan and all, all of a sudden, you know, the birds start singing, hallelujah. The, the grass, the brown grass turns green and, and the lamb sits next to the lion. On the contrary, normally when God gives a plan to you and wants you to do something, all hell breaks loose. Because we have an adversary of the devil. So he tells Timothy, by those prophecies that were made to you in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18, that by them you may wage the good warfare. 
verse 19, having faith and good conscience, which some have rejected. So he said, you're going to have to have faith, because things are going to look crazy for a while sometimes, but you have to have a clear conscience. What do I mean? Don't do things sneaky. Don't, 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 don't be trying to think you, you can get away with things. Have a clear conscience. Have a good conscience, because that's where it really gets you. That's how the devil wins the battle in your life, through the head. And it says, well, some have rejected their faith and a clear conscience, concerning their faith have it says they're shipwrecked, have suffered shipwreck. Verse 20, 1 Timothy 1, 20. Paul even names a couple of whom Hymenius and Alexander. So he names two guys, but check out what Paul tells Timothy. Whom I delivered to Satan that they may learn not to blaspheme God. What a statement. Could you imagine? It would be like Pastor Sonny turning, I'm not going to say me, one of you, <laughs> over to the devil. Whoa, wait a minute. That's, that's heavy stuff right there. Paul said, why? Because they were blaspheming. They were talking bad. Like I said, they, they, they rejected God. They even talked bad about God. And God allowed them to continue living. Paul says, look, I'm going to turn them over to the devil. It's an amazing statement, I think, about that. So, and I look at it because we were in the long process, a long process of building a great work for the Lord. It doesn't happen overnight. If it did, everybody would be doing it. It's a long process. So let's look at what it takes to build and or destroy a great work. So when we talk about a work and how, how to, if, if, if one is going to destroy a work, it, all, it doesn't begin, it's not the devil, because the devil has no authority, because we're trying to do God's plan. In fact, the devil's on our feet. Yes. There's nothing the devil, the enemy, the Satan can do to those who are submitted to his call. So what happens is, is it, when a work begins to suffer problems, it's internal. My wife mentioned it, internal things. It begins perhaps with internal mismanagement, bad leadership. It can happen that way. Or more, more often it happens through uh, no communication within the church or distorted communication. People believe rumor and innuendo and, and allow gossip to flourish instead of killing it at the root. Don't be talking about people. We, we let them continue to talk, thus agreeing with their gossip, becoming privy or, or, or a part of distorted communication and ultimately it's division it's division within the church it's not the devil so three three these three problem areas are there and there could be a lot more there are a few more but they all can be traced to one thing behaviors behaviors that have us bound up trapped because some of us uh, do things that we don't even know we're doing them and it's because these behaviors are put into us and it's kind of your upbringing, you know, right? They, they bind us. So you, we, certain, we have certain things that we do that in effect cause other people problems and most of the time, many times, we don't even know that our behavior is bothering anybody. Are you with me? I, 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 that's called a blind spot, but uh, that's for another message. But it's a blind spot that we have. So most of our problem attitudes took hold or were birthed in our adolescence. That's why I opened the scripture. He said, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I, I reasoned like a child, right? But as I grew up, I put away those behaviors. Now the question is, have you put away 
those behaviors. Says those behaviors I'm talking about that we have to mature so that we can be solid Christians, upstanding Christians, able to do something that God has called us to do. Hello, someone. Oh, it's getting quiet. So this morning or this afternoon, I want to I want to attempt to dig into our emotional makeup because we're, we're a very unique ministry. Have you figured that out? Um. So when many first come to Christ, their thinking can be seen, and, and don't take it as a negative. It's not a negative. It's normal. As adolescent, we're coming to Christ, and we don't know anything about God. Unless you came in and you were the Virgin Mary and you knew everything, most of us, we come to Jesus and like, okay, now what? So our thinking about spiritual things is, is adolescent. Are you, will? Are you with me? So if you want to become men and women of God, we must grow spiritually. We must grow spiritually and put away childish ways. Childish ways. Excuse me. Now, if I asked you right now, tell me some childish ways. We'd have a bunch of them, right? I don't have to describe them. I think we pretty much understand what I'm trying to say there. But I need, and I'm I'm telling you this, I need men and women to build this ministry. I don't need childish men and childish women. I need men and women. Are you with me? There's a difference. So why are so many people unhappy, anxious, disturbed, unsettled, and full of discontent? And you see it all over the place. And as I think about it, and I do my studies, every one of us has has a grid system built into them during their childhood, which affects the way we react or the way we act. Right? You know, in my culture, you grow up, it's a very, very macho, and, and we think that being aggressive that makes us a man, but doesn't make us a man. Other, other, other cultures are different, and so you have all these cultures, how you treat a woman, how you, how you work, how you don't work, whatever it may be, and you think this is you, you know, all that, that entire grid system was placed into you. You had nothing to do with it. It was given to you. Have you ever heard that statement? Every man in every man is a little boy. You ever seen that? Some wife says, yeah, he's still here. <laughs> and then every woman is a little girl. You know, you know how little girls, how do I look, grandpa? Well, you know, how's this? How's that, right? Well, that never seems to leave. And that's not a bad thing. But what I'm saying is, you are who you are. And psychologists have said this, and many behavioral scientists have said this. You are who you are when you were 10. So what happens? Who, who you are is established at 10. Now you build upon that with different things, education, etc. But if you don't continue to grow, you are who you are when you were 10. Very interesting. So I don't want to get too deep, but I'm going to, like I said, I'm going to take you for a little ride. So many problems are the result of not identifying those issues that bind us or, or gom- govern us or, or dominate our life. So we need to ask, we need to ask the Lord. Lord, am I, am I being controlled by or responding to something from my past? Boom. Because I, 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 I've dealt with people and they argue and they fight. And I ask them, what are they fighting? And they bring up a situation. I go, wow, what, what this woman is describing had really nothing what he said. But when you dig deeper, it's really because something happened in her past and it triggered that same emotion. And boom, it comes to the forefront. 
or vice versa. See, attitudes, and it's really that. Now imagine that issue I'm just talking about. And here we are. This is why you need God. You bring a conglomerate of people together that are different, and they come together, and we say with like, like confidence that we're going to take the world. Now, if you weren't, if you weren't a, a spiritual man or a woman, you'd laugh. Ah, <laughs> yeah, right. I, when I came to Victor Howard the first time, Pastor Steve, he was up there preaching. Pastor Steve, my pastor, he goes, we're going to take the world. I'm, and, I, and, and I went, I'm like, what? And there was about this many people at the church. We're a smaller building, not this nice. And I, I go, what? And, and I looked around, and I knew all these folks. They're all from my neighborhood. I, I, that guy, was, he was a dope dealer, man. The, the, that girl, that girl ain't right. You know, you know what I mean? You, you can hear the rattler. Whoa, get away, get away from her, right? And so I'm, I, and he said, we're going to take the world. I look around. I go, who is he talking to? Is he talking to these people here? Or is there somebody, is he on the radio, on TV? Because there's no way, there is no way what he says is going to happen is going to happen. I was an adolescent. I was, I, was, I was young. I didn't know any better. But there was no way possible. Nah. But see, when people begin to understand who they are, where they've been, where they come from, and keep the, that stuff in check, then you can build a church. Then you can build a church. See, a lot of us, we come from an area where, you know, we think we can't measure up. Everybody ever feel that way? A person who grows up thinks they can never please people who are trapped, and they're, they're trapped by guilt, inadequacy, or rejection. So they come, and, and lot, lots of, lot, why a lot of us go get high, because we're, we're trapped by guilt, inadequacy, and rejection. We think, well, we'll never make it. I'll never accomplish it. And so we come in, and then we bring this in, and, then, and I'm, I'm trying to bring faith that you can, but your past is saying, no, I can't. Yes, you can. So under this kind of a burden, initiative is destroyed. Anger, resentment, and hostility are created. Why? Because in you, you feel you can't measure up, and you looked at somebody who's getting blessed, and rather than being joyful, you kind of say, man, how come I don't get that? And without even thinking about it, divisions begin to occur. And it hurts the body. Huh? We can't have divisions. Huh? Others come in with the, they, they need their desire met immediately. Because some, you know, some people come to church, I got to find a husband, I got to find a wife. And that's great. But it might take you a decade. It might take you a little while. But they're like, they want it now. You know, they, it's microwave popcorn. Just add water and there's my man of God. Poof. No. Let me tell you right now. There's a lot of men of God in the making. But if you take it before they're baked, you're going to get a stomachache. You know, you ever eat a, eat a half-cooked bread? Huh? See, some never learned early in life that he or she can have everything when he or she wants it. And God may say you can have it, but you know what? It might take a little time. But because we're, we're, we're the I want it now generation, we come and we make bad decisions. Why? Because you want it when? Now. Now. And we read the Bible and say, look, I read the Bible and in chapter 1 it said this happened. And right here in chapter 3 they got it. But they don't realize from chapter 1 to chapter 3 there was 25 years. David was called, right? But he didn't ascend to the throne until 25, 30 years later. 
after he was anointed and, 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 and the prophet poured the oil on him and, and he had to run for his life because King Saul was trying to kill him. He was throwing spears at him. He had to hide in Moab. He became a mercenary. He actually fought for other kings and became a mercenary, was killing people in battle. He was doing that for two decades before he became king. And God promised him the kingdom. What happened, God? What are you waiting for? Could you imagine David's plight, waiting and waiting and waiting, nothing happening, and he's running for, for his life from the, from the king who was no longer anointed, but he was still had the position? You can't have it immediately. Others just get mad. Some like, what do they call them, temper, temper tantrums? And you, you learn this young. See, if a parent gives them to a child, then the child learns to throw a fit if they want something. You, you know, some of you might have kids right now. See, adults often walk away from their responsibility. Let's, let's talk an adult temp, temper tantrum. An adult, when they have a temper tantrum, they may not jump around and cry and snivel because they're not that childish, but they still cry and snivel. But this is how they do it. They walk away from the responsibility or commitment when they don't get their way. Oh, yeah? Well, I'm leaving. And if you see the spirit, they're, they're walking around like this. <laughs> Temper tantrum. See, and, and how did you learn that? You learned that when you were young. Your mama probably gave you everything you wanted, you spoiled rat. Should have gave you the cinto, palo, but no. Okay, Johnny. Okay, Bobby. Okay, Robert. Okay, okay, Sammy. Here, here, here. Just be quiet. You're embarrassing me. You know what I have to do with my kids? In Safeway, I don't care what it was, Walmart, any, it didn't matter. If they got out of line, I, 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 I took them, I threw them on my shoulder, walked them to the bathroom, and whooped them. And then let's go out, then we walk right back out. All the people are, my kids were well behaved. Hey, they didn't call no problem. I did one time in their lifetime when they're little. I never had a safe way. I looked at them. I go, "Are you gonna do? You gonna make me?" Nope. <laughs> Thank you. I did. I did my daughter one time. One time in church, and I picked her up. From, I was in. I picked her. She was acting all up, acting up. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, you know, you're playing with the guy from Decoro. Give me, come here. I put her on my shoulder. Walked out of the church. Right now, walked out. Every, the whole church looking at me. Pastor Steve just laughing. Right, I'm walking. <laughs> Took her to the bathroom. Whooped her. Not hard. Doesn't take much. Pow! And I walked her back to the church. Go sit by, sit by your mom. She was like the best angel. I mean, a little bing, little halo went on top. When she smiled, a little twinkle. Right now, she's full-time ministry in, in L.A. teaching young girls. She has over 30 girls under her at the UTC. Why? Sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Because if not, you're developing who you're, you're going to be when you get older. And then they come to church and you want to fulfill God's call, and you can't. Why? Because you have too many bad habits. Some people just have low self-esteem. See, when a child's grid is not fed with positive information or affirmation, then low self-esteem happens. You know, you hear people putting down their kids. Never put down your kids. Instruct them. Teach them. Be positive with them. Tell them how good they are. Tell them they're blessed. How they're highly favored. And they're anointed. All the time. Even when they're, they went poo-poo in their diapers. Blessed poo-poo. <laughs> anointed poo-poo. Change them. You know what I mean? Doesn't matter. You, don't, you, don't, you never put them down. 
But why? Because you, you, put, you put a self, a bad esteem in their life. Or on the, on the other side, you, some people are trapped by fear. When a child grows up fearing uh, not having enough, they naturally become materialistic. It's fear. Children need to be taught that their security isn't in, the, in things, but their security is in a relationship with God. Amen. Teach them early oft and often. Because what happens if you don't, you begin to, to receive a distorted view of God. And in a child's, like this, if you have a distorted view, if you teach them wrong, check this out. If the father's not teaching properly, then the, the view from the child of God becomes like that. So if a child's father is good, kind, gentle, and loving, then it's easier for that person to believe that God is good, kind, gentle, and loving. Are you with me? But if the father is rude, crude, abusive, and fails to love or affirm a child, then for that person that believing, for that person to believe that God is good, right, gentle, is hard. Because they'll believe that God is going to punish them all the time. And that is not true. So what, well, I have to fight through these behaviors. Why? Because if you don't change your behavior, then you can't change the church. That is as far from the truth as can be. God surely is a, a God of love. Oh yes, he, he disciplines those he loves, but he never does it out of anger. He never does it out of hate. He does it out of construction. Just like when I take my daughter to the restroom when she was like eight years old and spanked her on her bottom, I didn't do it out of anger. I said, oh, I gotta teach this girl that in church, she behaves. So if it, if it means one time I gotta, I gotta do this, it's worth it because she's gonna learn. Then, then if it happens at a grocery store and it happened with my sons, I gotta teach them one time. They understand a certain thing. Then you know what? Guess what? You never have that problem. If you don't do that, what happens? They come to church and they want God, and all of a sudden, you, you know what you have? A misbehaving person. You can't tell them nothing because if they want to fight with you, argue. Okay, here we go. Well, I feel like going, where's your mom and dad at? I want to talk to them. So how do you deal? How do you deal with this? See, when you're dealing with a person like that, you have to identify how you're going to respond. Now, I'm talking to all of us. Listen, because you're going to run across people that are going to rub you in the wrong way. Right? They might be sitting next to you. They might not. So you have to identify your response. Because right away when somebody rubs you the wrong way, you, the way you want to get angry is blame them for getting you angry. Right? See, the response you don't want to have is a negative one or a, a, a combative one. Because, And this is a very simple principle. Because you ever hear people say, oh, he started it. You ever heard that? Oh, he started it. No, no, see, that's wrong. Listen, the second word starts it. The first word is the first word. It can either be a good word or a bad word, but it's the first word. It's not till you have the response. Once you have the second word, then the argument begins. So who started the argument? The second word. Now I'm going to mess you all up. Right? Because you start, no, 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 no. So what happened when somebody does you wrong, says something wrong, you have to identify, okay, what am I going to do? If I respond, I got an argument going. So you have to learn how to respond so you don't start the argument. Now, some of you like the argument. Why? Because of what I talked about earlier. And once you understand your response, you need to own the response. Don't blame someone else for it. It's your response. Come on, 
So if you're going to be negative, then it's on you, Jack. When the argument blows up and everything's going and the house is burning, don't get mad at whoever you're arguing with. You started it because you shouldn't have responded. Well, come on. So you have to own it. And then you need to, if you want to get better, whichever way you responded, good or bad. If you're good, then trace it back to who showed you how to be good. If it's bad, then you need to, this is where it's really important. You need to trace it back. Why, do, when somebody says something, you bark back. Or why do you run away and hide, throw a tantrum? Why do you respond the way you do? Try to trace it back. You need to see who programmed that into you. Because somebody did. If you, if you bite back, it's because somebody taught you. If you run and hide, and you go, you know, you snivel like coward, because nobody wants to cower down. But if you do that, you need to find out who programmed that into you. We're going to rip that out today. And once you can identify who programmed that into you, this, you know how you rip it out? <laughs> you forgive that person. Whoever taught you to do that, you forgive them. That's the hard part. But it, we're talking about your freedom, your ability to, to rise, your ability to change your behavior, and real, ultimately your ability to fulfill God's plan for your life. Amen. Forgive the person, the one you think is responsible for the way you feel. Because hmm? I've heard, of, I, man, over and over, my mom treated me like this, and I didn't like my mom, or my dad did this, and blah, blah, blah. And we have a list of things. And I, there's too many to list. You can't. It's impossible to list. But you know who it is. Even now, you know who it is. Who programmed that negative and forgive them. And then after you forgive them, this is probably just a little bit, a step harder than forgiving that person. Forgive yourself. Forgive yourself. See, many have unrealistic expectations. Huh? You need to ask God to set you free. Amen. You can't, you can't do anything about the past. Right? And I tell you, and really, if you, if you, if you live in the past and, and let the past dominate your right now, then you'll just continue to live the same way. So you have to forgive the person, forgive yourself for all the mistakes you made. And there may have been many. But I'm going to tell you what you have. You can either live with that and take it with you the rest of your life. Or you can forgive yourself and go from this day forward. Make it shine for Jesus. You can walk forward and say, I'm going to live the rest of my life. I I can't make up. Because if you don't do it now, when you die, your whole life will be a regret. But you can change it right now. Listen, God will forgive you. I'll forgive you. And I guarantee you, even those people you hurt will come to a point to forgive you. But you have to forgive yourself. Hmm? Now you come to that. You forgive the person. You forgave yourself. Now renew your mind. Look, look at yourself through God's eyes. Don't look through our eyes because if we look at ourselves, come on. Well, that guy's no good. That girl's no good. We're in a meeting one time. You go, wow, that brother's like this. And I said, I'm your pastor. If I use that, your, your, your uh, measurement, you're all no good. And I'm still dealing with you. And the reason I'm dealing with you is because God looks at you differently. I don't look at you through my eyes. I look at you through God's eyes. The potential, the reason why Christ left heaven and died on the cross and suffered. Uh, that's what, how I look at you. I look at you through for the possibilities, the ability that you have. The call of God on your life. That's how I look at you. 
if we look at, it, at each other through the trained eye that we had when we were kids, then we're not going to like anybody. Look at everybody. Oh, that guy's up to no good. That guy's up to no good. That girl's no good. We're looking like this, and they're looking at you the same way. He's no good. She's no good. Why? Because you're looking at the wrong eyes. Look at them through God's eyes. Amen. So I need us all to get over it. Let's let, let say this. Get over it. Yes. Well, come on. Tell your neighbor. Get over it. Tell your neighbor. Get over it. Dile. Get over it. Today, from this day forward, it can be fresh and new. That's why, like the Bible says, his mercies are new every morning. Every morning. We don't have to live with that guilt. We don't have to live with that regret. No. Live with in the now and, and, and ask God to let you see your future. And let me tell you, your future is bright. I'm going to have to buy everybody some Ray-Bans because it's so bright. Huh? So too many are trapped in the past. And really, please, Paul says, when I was a child, I thought like a child. But now, I put away childish ways. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1, Paul again is writing to the church, and he says, brothers, he tells them this, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not a solid food, for you're not ready for it. Indeed, you're still not ready. You're still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not world, worldly? Are you not acting like mere men? See, we want to get beyond that. And if we don't get beyond our past and begin to walk in God's future, then we're going to look at it. We're going to be like mere men arguing all the time, complaining all the time. Criticizing all the time. Come on. For the love of God. For the sake of your pastor. Stop. Encourage everybody you see. Be a blessing. Yes. Yeah. He said, be a blessing. Yeah. See, what the Lord needs to build our church, and that's what I'm really addressing, is men and women. Not males and females. Men and women. Yes, yes. People not bound up in childish ways. People that would give God all the glory. People are, that are ready to do what the, what the Lord asks of them. Yeah. Paul said, don't start, stop thinking like children. Don't be like infants. Think like adults. See, cowards cannot be involved with the things of God. People who do not keep their eyes alert on the enemy cannot do great exploits. No, you have to be faithful over the little, and then you will be faithful over much. So the way you handle the little insignificant things will determine if you will move on to greater exploits. So where are you at? If you're too busy maintaining your bad attitude... Again, if you're too busy maintaining your bad attitude, you'll, only, you'll have no time to fight, let alone win a battle. Because when somebody does you wrong, and we've all been done wrong, right? Don't we often focus on that person too much? It's like 20 days, payback, Jack. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be cool. I'm going to wait a long time, but I'm going to get them. I'm going to get a payback. And so what happens, you're thinking about that person so much. Listen, that person, while you're thinking about that much, becomes your Lord. That's right. That's right. 
because they lord and they rule your thoughts. How dare you allow somebody like that to come in and take the place of Jesus when you should have the mind of Christ, not the mind of whoever. That's how you walk in victory, having the mind of Christ. I don't, you can't give anybody any right to live in your mind. You have to move beyond that. Say, again, if you're too busy maintaining your bad attitude, you'll have no time to fight, let alone win a battle. I have been taught that serving God requires commitment with a circumspective walk. Hmm? Loyalty. Being loyal. I need loyal men and women to build this ministry. To help. Go beyond yourself. Build your family. Build your whole house. Build your business. But what about the church? What about the world? What about people dying and going to hell? Do they not matter? Of course they do. We need faithful tithers. Money is needed to reach the dying world. Luke 14, 28 through 30 reads like this. For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it. Lest after his, he has laid the foundation, he is not able to finish. All who see will begin to mock him, saying, the man began to build and was not able to finish. The principle Jesus stating in Luke runs so true today. Huh? I need your commitment to the dying and to the lost. Oh, of course, we're going to assume that you have a commitment to Jesus, but I need your commitment to the dying and the lost. Because that's who we're trying to read. And listen, that type of thinking, discipleship costs everything. Hmm? So you've got to have to ask yourself, am I my brother's keeper? Am I my brother's keeper? Of course you are. No? See, too many go about their own business. And the enemy laughs at us. They laughs, you know, and I think they laugh at our, at our greed because we get so caught up in doing things f- which are good things, but we forget the God things. And God so loved the world that he sent his son to die for you. But then we're indebted. We, I talked about this. Sir. We, we're, we have a debt. Jesus uh, paid a debt he did not owe. We owe a debt we cannot pay. We're indebted. And we can't ask like we don't owe anything. Like thank you Jesus and move on with life. And think that that's it. We owe something to the Lord. Do we not? I know me. My brother died um, from methadone. During 20 years of heroin addict. Locked in prison almost all his life, most of his life. He died at 55, 54, dying because the methadone got on his bones and killed him. My uncles, all of them OD'd on heroin. Why? Because they're running amok and they all stuck themselves with a needle and died. And listen, I know if God hadn't interrupted my miserable life, I could have been one of those. And because of that, I'm indebted. That's why I continue to do what I got to do. And I can't be the only one. No. 1 Timothy 6. Now let me move on. Move on. I want to talk about a good attitude. 
said, well, what we need is a good attitude. And the Bible says, be of good cheer. You ever heard that? Be of good cheer. Let's go to John 16, 31. John 16, 31 reads like this. Jesus answered them, do you now believe? Indeed, the hour is coming. Yes, has now come that you will be scattered each to his own and will leave me alone. And yet, I'm not alone because the Father is with me. This is right before the cross. These things I have spoken to you that, it, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. In the world you have tribulation. Life is a trip, huh? Life will throw you curveballs, knuckleballs, sliders, right? And, and will catch you off guard. You think, everything, you think everything's going good? Then life happens. Are you with me? He says, in the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. And I, 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 I grabbed that. Why? Because he said, I have overcome the world. I go, that is a trip. How in the world did you overcome the world? <laughs> Right, because the world is there, it's in your face, it's on TV, it's everywhere. And, and you're saying you overcame it? You mean the things in the world don't bother you, you just move on and you act like, what, what do you do? How do you do it? So that word good cheer comes with a Greek word, tharaseo, which means to have courage or boldness. Good cheer, he said, be courageous, be bold. So it's not just be happy, like, oh, I'm so happy. No, 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 it's be courageous, be bold. Huh? He continues in verse 4, I have told you all this that you may have peace in me. The New Living Translation. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. What am I saying? Be bold, courageous, even despite everything. See, attitude is an issue of the heart. Your heart. So everything I have discussed today is isolated in your heart. The Bible says from, from the heart, the mouth speaks. Problem behaviors, being a man or a woman, handling money are issues of the heart. So he's saying, be bold or have a heart for I have overcome the world. So your attitude will determine your success. Attitude separates leaders from followers. Attitude separates adults from children. Paul said, when I was a child, I thought like a child. But I changed my attitude. I became an adult. You ever seen an adult act like a kid? Come on, you, you know, they didn't get the right change at, at, at Ross. Or, or something happened and they act like a like kid, get all angry, aggravated, make a big old scene. Hello, someone. Yeah, yeah. I see one time I was in a, I seen a whole guy, well, I won't mention name, but he got so mad in the hotel at the guy at the counter because his room was unavailable and blah, blah, blah. Got so mad that he reached across the counter, grabbed the guy by the neck, the throat, not the throat, but the shirt, and he pulled him over the counter. I wonder where he learned that. Attitude separates adults from children's. Galatians 6, 7 reads like this. Galatians 6, 7. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. 
the one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. So, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. So you will reap if you don't faint. You will reap if you don't throw a temper tantrum. You will reap if, if you're patient and don't want it now. You will reap if you don't faint. See, God will choose all the time what you go through. God chooses the circumstance. God chooses the problem. In fact, everything that comes to you when you're on his plan goes through his hand. What am I saying? Every trial, every tribulation, every hurt, every pain, every lost check, every whatever you want, everything, if you're following God's plan, has gone through his hand. So when it goes through and it hits you and you start getting agitated, start cussing and yelling, then you're cussing at God. Because he allowed it to come to you. So you're saying, God, how dare you allow that terrible circumstance to come my way? Who do you think you are? Irrespective of what it is. Oh, it may not feel good, but I guarantee you, when God allows it through his hand, it may not feel good, but it's good for you. It's good for you. So, the object is to not put yourself in a position where you need a, a little extra good. Are you with me? See, God chooses what you go through. Attitude determines how you go through it. When, when people maintain a, a positive attitude, they've learned from their trial, they learn from the test, and guess what? You'll probably never have to go through it again. Say, praise the Lord. But if you, that thing came to you and you got on the carnitas and the flesh and the carne asada, guess what? You got to go through it again. It's going to happen again and again and again until you get it right. But here we go. But be a good cheer. Because I have overcome the world. See, morale... And listen, this is what happens. This is, this is like the big picture. We're all going to go through changes, right? We're all going to have trials. Hello? There's going to be issues in life that are going to want to drive us to anger, drive us to hate, drive us to all those things, correct? But when a group of people are able to allow those things to hit them, and it hits them, they deal with them very nonchalant. Not that they don't care, but it doesn't affect them emotionally, and they continue on the path that God's called them to do, then these things just bounce off you. It's like, like rain on a duck. Just the water just beads off of you. Why? Because they're focused. They come, and they just boom. They come, boom. Right? It's like, it's like, it's like walking down, and you see a fly or a mosquito or whatever. You just boom, get off me. Right? You keep walking. Boom, get off me. I'm too busy for that trial, that tribulation. Oh, I see. Yeah, okay. Boom, get off me. Why? Because I'm focused on God's plan. Come on. Amen. Amen. But if you're not focused on God's plan, you know what you do? You're, you're not focused. You're just you're kind of playing game, playing church. The trouble comes, and it gets your attention. And you're all caught up, and you're all sidetracked for months, maybe even years. Sidetrack, sidetrack. Why? And God's plan was way over there. And you go, oh, wow. You look down the road of life, and you go, wow, God's plan is way over there. How do I get back? And sometimes getting back is harder than maintaining it. Now you got to walk back towards God's plan. Whew, now if you make it, praise the Lord. I know many that don't make it back. 
Huh? And you have to learn when the situation comes, deal with it, bump it off, but keep on God's plan. Deal with it, bump it off. It's like a running back who straight arms. Bam, right? Bam. You know what I'm talking about in football? Someone try to tackle him, he's just straight arm. Get off me, Jack. Why? I'm too busy for that trial. Nehemiah, when he was building the wall and they were talking about him, talking about his who he was, he'd call him a coward. And he what he says, would a man like me come down off the wall and deal with you when I'm doing God's work? Are you kidding me? He, if I was there, I would have said, Chavala, but if I wasn't there. Hmm? See, when people have that type of attitude, morale stays high. Trials come, issues come, but morale stays high. Why? Because we're focused on the bigger picture. You're, you're focused on God's plan, the big picture. When you let the little things become the big picture, you, you'll turn God off when you feel like it. Why? Because you have a bigger picture right here. It's this. Oh, God. Yeah, I know you're over there. Hey, cool. But you're caught. Where did you learn that? Somebody taught you that. Or somebody could say, that's not as important. Lying devil. That was a trip. Plug it. Hallelujah. Can you still hear me? This is Sam. So we have to keep our morale high. Keep it up. I'm not sure if I'm on. Am I on over there? Something went higher. There we go. Stop playing around. No, I'm just kidding. Praise the Lord. We've got to blame somebody. It's your fault. No. So if you're focused on God's plan, are you with me? You understand? That's why when the people have a vision, they, they stay tied to the vision because things are going to happen. But the vision rises you above your daily problems because they're going to come. That's why the scripture says where there is no vision, the people perish. So Jesus always, as I close my panel, please come up. Jesus always tried to keep morale high. Huh? Matthew 9, 2 reads, Then behold, they brought him a paralytic lying on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, be of good cheer. Your sins have forgiven you. What did he say? He talked to the paralytic. Be of good cheer. Have a good heart. None of you are paralytic. But he tells them the same thing. Be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven. So what's the big picture? Oh, you may be a paralytic, but you're not going to hell. Be of good cheer. In Matthew 9, 22, Jesus turned around, and when he saw her, he, say, he said, Be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well that very hour. Be of good cheer. Have the right heart. Or have the right attitude. John 16, 33, the thing that I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So you decide what you want. You, every individual, you decide what you want. You will make us. Let me say it again. You decide. You will either make us when I say us, I'm talking about Victor College Colorado Springs, on Colorado Springs, 
or you'll break us. Because when you stick and you don't let those situations, you make us. But when you fade away, you hurt us. You hurt us. Why? And I'm not minimizing what you're going through, but I'm telling I know for a fact that when you begin to put God first, I don't care what your situation, those things will be, be made well. But w- as long as those things keep taking you off track, they keep happening to you. They keep happening. Why can't I get better? Why can't this happen? Why? Because every time you, you, you're on God's path, the enemy hits you. God allows it. Why? Because he's, he's trying to teach you to be greater than your infirmity, greater than your situation, greater than whatever whatever it is. Every, you're coming down God's path. He hits you, and you look away from God's call, and you look at your situation. You have to get off that. You have to focus on God's plan for your life. But the focus on his blessing for you. Every believing adult, notice I said adult, has the power of the Holy Spirit to set them free, to release them from destructive ways and become the person God wants them to be. Every believing adult. I want every head bowed and every head closed. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise your name. Praise your name.